Get your Bibles here pretty soon and turn to Genesis 41. If you'd be so kind to do that, Genesis 41. We are we're doing our sermon series on vision and having God tell us what to do for the next year and the next decade. Living with intentionality is so very important. Not just our intentions, of course, but God's intentions. And we're doing a sermon series on dreams and visions. And I want to say something really interesting about dreams and visions. What I'd like everyone to do right now is to focus your eyes on the screen behind me. Look at the screen behind me. Everybody all together at one time. Everybody look at the screen behind me right there. Okay. Put my hand down. Okay. Now, what you just had was a shared visual experience. You were all looking at the same thing together. Now, science, which is really important, science is nothing more and nothing less than figuring out what the truth is. And here's how science works. You do an experiment and you observe things, just like you observe the screen. And if someone in another town can do the same thing and reproduce this experiment and get the same results, then theories turns, turn into facts over time because you can reproduce the experience. All of you shared the experience of looking at the slide. Now, what is different about dreams? Dreams are something which science will never, ever, 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 no matter how advanced it gets, be able to touch because unlike the screen you all just looked at, Dreams are the most private experience you can have. No one else can see what you're looking at. And so, therefore, it can never be reproduced. It can never be observed by someone else. And if it can never be observed by someone else, it can never be studied scientifically. So dreams will always be in the realm of the personal and the spiritual. In fact, you yourself can't even really hang on to your dreams. They disappear rather quickly if you don't write them down pretty quickly after waking up. Dreams are like, who saw the fog this morning? Dreams are like the fog. They burn off. And we've been told that the part of the brain that has memory is not really attached to the part that has dreams. And so your dreams will always be the most personal, private thing that you will experience because nobody else can see it. And you yourself only have a real slippery grip on it. So science will never tell us what dreams are about because you can't have another person observe it. And this is why God uses dreams to get through to each of us for things that are very important for us to figure out. Because this is, who remembers person-to-person -person phone calls back in the old days when we had long distance? A dream is a person-to-person -person phone call that is given to Ben, to Nicholas, to Matt, and to nobody else. It's for your eyes only, your internal eyes only. And that's why God uses dreams to connect with us for the most important, private, top-secret information that's just for you. And that's why it's so important. I am just so surprised by how important dreams are. I've never done a sermon series on dreams before. And the Bible is full of dreams and visions. 
And even a vision while you're awake, and you perhaps had visions while you're awake, every time you read a book, you're producing a vision. You ever notice you're looking at a white sheet? Let's say you're reading a novel. You're looking at a white sheet with black marks. But that's not what you see, is it? What you see is the landscape and the whole thing that's going on, especially if it's a good writer. A good writer can create a whole movie theater in your head. When I was in radio, people told us, our coaches told us, create theater of the mind while you're talking. Create pictures in people's heads so while they're driving on the 405, they've got something to look at in their minds. Those are visions. And those visions you have, and while you're reading, you're producing a vision, aren't you? Artificially. And God can speak to us in visions and in dreams in very personal ways because nobody else can see them. We could have all the technology in the world and nobody else will ever see your dream. Unless God gives you the same dream, which he could do. But this is why dreams are so important. It gets right at the core of who you are. Your deepest self. And God often has to turn off our thinking to get at that deeper self. Who here has ever woken up from a dream and you think, that was really strange, and if anyone else saw that dream, I'd be in serious trouble. I'd never be able to run for Supreme Court because of uh, you know what was in that dream. Dreams are strange. So we're going to talk today about how to look at a dream and how to separate God's message from the crazy part. Because most dreams have a crazy part. In fact, they're often really, really odd. One of the most common dreams people have is what I call the math class dream. The math class dream is you're sitting in math class. And you forgot to go there for like three months. Or you just, you just somehow missed all the classes. And on the way there, you go to your locker, and you don't remember your combination at all. And your book's in there. So you go to the math class without your book. And you look down, and you're wearing your pajamas. Or worse, you know, it, it, those dreams get pretty strange sometimes. People show up naked in math class. I mean, it, I, for me, it's pajamas, because I'm just too inhibited to show up naked in the dream. But th there I am with my pajamas in math class. And I actually did wear my pajamas to school by accident once in junior high. I... Montana was really, really cold. I got up, I was freezing, and I put my jacket on over my pajamas, and I showed up to school with little baseball players all over my... In eighth grade, you don't want to do that. That's just <laughs> just not good. So <coughs> anyways, dreams have the crazy part, and they've got the, they've got the, the message. So we're going to look at the Bible today to learn how to pull the message out of the crazy stuff. It's kind of like going to a thrift store. There's a lot of junk there, but there's treasures in there, and you want to pull the good stuff out and kind of weed through the other stuff. So, dreams are a mixture of truth and craziness. And what we want to do is to pull out the truth and leave some of the craziness behind. They're irrational in lots of ways. So we're going to look at Genesis 41. And here's Donnie Osmond in the role he was born to play, Joseph. Go, 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 Joseph. This is Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat. Who here has heard of that or seen it or at least know who Donny Osmond is? I mean, something like that. Okay. So he played this role of Joseph in the Bible, and we're going to look at 
Genesis 41, because this is the best example in the Bible, <laughs> best example of the Bible of how to pull out the truth out of a really weird dream. And Pharaoh has a really, really weird dream. Here's the problem with Joseph. Joseph had a character flaw. Joseph was a narcissist. And you've all got narcissists in your extended family. And you hope not to sit next to them at Thanksgiving. Because all they do is talk about themselves. Like over and over and over and over. Now, who grew up with siblings here and had a sibling that was a little bit full of himself or herself? Linda, you rose your hand a little bit too fast. But anyways, Joseph had a bunch of brothers. And he would say stupid things like this. You know, I had this vision, and you guys were all bowing down to me. I wonder what that means. This is what we call the humble brag. Who's ever heard of the humble brag where people say, I just can't believe I won this gold medal. What a surprise. And you post that. You know, it's like the, the humble brag. Some people do that. They'd have this sort of humble brag thing, and I'll never... Um, I'll never tell you who in my life has the humble brag, but his name is Mike, and he's my brother, and he's always humble bragging. Oh, that, that's just God that did all these wonderful things for us. You know, he just kind of throws it out there, but I like Mike. Anyways, uh, the humble brag. And so here you have Joseph. You know, brothers, I keep having these visions and dreams, and you guys are all serving me and you know, bowing down before me. What could that mean? They threw him in a hole. And sold him into slavery to like sand people in Star Wars. You know, they, 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 off he goes. Because they just got tired of the kid. Who gets tired of narcissists? We all get tired of narcissists. Because they talk on and on and on. I went all the way across the country in a Greyhound bus in high school to visit some friends in Montana. And I stuck with this lady who kept talking about how her uncle always bought a Buick. And he always loved Buicks. And she wouldn't shut up. My uncle, he always bought a Buicks. Buicks are always better because my uncle said so. For 10 hours? This is narcissistic behavior. And Joseph was a narcissist. And so he gets in a lot of trouble. Keep, people keep throwing him in holes and throwing him in jail and all that kind of stuff because that's what people do to narcissists. They put them out of the way. But he has a, a character shift here. Let's read this uh, passage out loud. And <coughs> if you'll just kind of keep up with us. One, two, three. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. In my dream, he said, I was standing on the bank of the Nile River and saw seven fat, healthy cows come out of the river and begin grazing. Time out. When you see cows come out of the river, this is, and I, this is an indication that this is a strange dream. Cows in real life don't come out of the river. They don't come out of the water. And so... Pharaoh's having this dream and thinking, this is weird, just like our dreams. Our dreams often are that way. Let's go on to the next one. But then I saw seven sick-looking cows, scrawny and thin, coming up after them. I've never seen such sorry-looking animals in all the land of Egypt. These thin... Okay, the dream gets weirder at this point. First of all, cows don't eat cows. Cows are vegetarians or vegans or whatever. You know, they, 
they're very, very, they're very trendy. They, they don't eat meat. They don't do eggs. They don't do milk. You know that stuff. They just eat grass. And you get the skinny cows eating. This is, if you've got a good imagination, this is getting very strange. Because cows eating cows, once you start seeing that, you hope you wake up and the stream ends and, you know, go to the fridge and get a snack or something. Let's go to the next verse. But afterward, you wouldn't have known it, for there were still skinny before. Then I woke up. Next verse. In my dream, I also saw seven heads of grain, bowling, growing on a single stalk. Then seven grain appeared. <clears throat> but these were blighted, shriveled, and withered by the east wind. So the next slide. And basically the east wind is what they call in the eastern hemisphere Scirocco. The Scirocco is also a Volkswagen. But Scirocco is a desert wind like a Santa Ana. And Santa Anas can dry things up. Some of you really hate Santa Anas. People like me who like it to be hot don't mind. And plus it makes for great waves for surfing. Because it, it's, a, it's not, it, yeah, the whole thing. So, you know, I'm always praying for Santa Ana's. You guys are praying against it, and God will have to decide. But so, what we're having here is this dry air coming through and withering things. So, this is stuff that people are very familiar with. In Egypt, you're living in a very fertile river plain, but there's deserts all around. So, when the wind comes in, it dries things out. Okay, next slide. One, two, three. And the shriveled heads. Swallowed the seven healthy heads. I told these the musicians, but no one could tell me what they mean. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance of what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. Seven thin, scrawny cows. That came up and the thin heads of grain by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen, this is described it, the Pharaoh in advance, what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. The famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it meant that these events have been decreed by God. We'll soon make them happen. Time out. Pay attention to recurring dreams. This is not one dream the Pharaoh had. This is two dreams. Those dreams, do you ever in your dreams keep going back to the same place? And it only occurs in your dreams? That place doesn't exist in your normal life? Pay attention to duplicate dreams because God is continuing to try to repeat himself to get through to us. One-off dreams may not mean as much as dreams which continue. Even Joseph says, because this is a duplex dream, we have to pay attention to it. So if you keep going back to this strange house you've never lived in, pay attention to that dream. Because God may be trying to get in touch with you for something very deep and recurring in your life. A lot of our problems are recurring, aren't they? 
It's not just a one-time thing. And so those recurring dreams can tell us things. One, two, three. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Time out. We're going through a time in our country of great prosperity. And instead of the government saving money, we're spending more. Who thinks that these dreams can have meaning even now? We sh the Germans right now, for the last number of years, have had a surplus in their government budget, and they're saving it. Why? Because good. we go through cycles. Who here has seen cycles in your real estate values? This happens in California. We have a cycle, and there will be good times and bad times. The smartest guy I ever met with stock investments, I said, you've been doing stock investments your whole life. Tell me in one phrase something that will really help me. He says, the market will fluctuate. And during times like this, we shouldn't be doing deficit spending. We should be saving like the Germans are. And the Germans are going to come out really well from the cycles that go through this. Next slide. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh as officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Dreams are arguably one of the most spiritual things that can happen because they are completely invisible to science. They're very personal, very private, and they get at the core of who we are and our memories and all the different things that we've gone through. Suzanne here writes down her dreams. She was talking at, during the prayer meeting this morning about how she writes her dreams down because she says sometimes they mean something for farther down the road. And if you write them down, then a couple years later you can look back and it might have something to say now. This is a dream that has future implications for the Pharaoh. And they were smart, and they did what? Acted accordingly. So here we have one of the most fascinating dreams in the Bible. Next week, we have the most fascinating one, which is Jacob's Ladder. Don't miss that one. It is fascinating. And what I'm hoping to do here is to raise our awareness of dreams so we pay more attention to them. I've noticed since I started teaching on this, I'm paying more attention to my dreams. I'm listening and paying attention to what's going on more than I was. And I'm expecting God to speak to me. Our theme for the year, up on the wall over there, ask, seek, and knock. Ask the Lord what he wants us to do. We want to set our sail for the next year and for the next decade. We want to get God's best message for us so that we can live with wisdom. Because you know what? We don't know the future, but God does. And he's helping the Egyptians prepare. And it's part of a bigger plan. God doesn't cause famines. But can he use famines? 
all things work for good for those who love the Lord. And so he's going to use this famine to bring Joseph's family back to Egypt because who's got all the food? Egypt. We're probably going to have to borrow money from Germany five, ten years from now. And we'll all be showing up to the Germans asking for a loan. But they, his family's going to come down and they're going to multiply in Egypt, in slavery. It's like an incubator for the nation of Israel. And then they're going to come forth and take the promised land. And so God uses the famine to bring Joseph's family together. And so God can use all of these things to make these things happen. And this dream helps Joseph and the Egyptians to connect with the greater scope of history. Who wants to be on the wrong side of history? Nobody. We want to be on the right side of history. Owning a slave in 1859 was that a, being on the right side of slavery or the wrong side of slavery or wrong side of history or the right side of history? Wrong side. You want to be on the right side of history where things are going. And our dreams can be ways of connecting to the greater scope of history and the greater purpose that we fit into because our purpose fits into God's purpose. And Joseph's destiny fits into God's destiny. And for Jesus to be born, these things all had to happen together. And we find our best destiny when we find out how our destiny fits in with God's destiny. And to do that, we have to give up narcissism. Because it's not all just about us. What's about us is about everything. And what may not make sense to us in our life may make sense for God's greater purpose. We might have to do something that makes no sense to us, like, Go build an ark when it hasn't been raining. Do you think that made sense to, to Noah? No, but did it fit the greater scope? Yes, it did. And God might ask you to do something really weird. And you say, I'm not going to do that, because he asked you in a dream to do something strange, and it's in a recurring dream. And it might fit the greater purpose of what's going on. It's not just about us individually. It's where our individual vision fits into the, the big one. And history, who thinks history is going to be a wee bit interesting in this century coming up? We're in for quite a ride. Who's old enough to remember e-ticket rides? We're in for an e-ticket ride. And it'd be helpful to know where we fit into this whole thing. Good stuff and bad stuff is both coming our way. And to know where we fit is really important. Next slide. So, how to sift the true from the crazy. The more spirit-filled, and Joseph was called by Pharaoh, someone's filled with the Spirit of God, the more spirit-filled we are, the less of our ego gets into the dream. The less of our ego interprets the dream. Our ego can misinterpret the dream. Our flesh can misinterpret the dream. What we want. I mean, I, I hear God's voice every time I'm going down the 405 and I see an In-N-Out Burger thing. And that's, that's not from God. That's my flesh. And who thinks we can translate our flesh into what we think God's going to make us do? We, we definitely would like to see that. Next one. It's probably not about you directly. Do you notice how Joseph has transformed? This is why the Donny Osmond musical is so popular. He's a transformational character. He starts out the narcissist that nobody likes, and he ends up finding his place in history 
and playing it well as a part of God's plan. And we love watching that because we like to see narcissists turn into people who make a difference. And each of us has a narcissistic side. Who here has no selfishness whatsoever? And that selfishness will get us in trouble. Sure, we want to have some selfishness. You want to protect yourself and you want to take care of yourself because God made you and you, you owe that to him. But it can get out of hand really fast. And if people don't want to be around you, that's probably a clue that you're in the Joseph narcissist, if people want to throw you in a hole somewhere and sell you a slavery, you know that you're a narcissist. So, number three, favor faith interpretation over fear interpretation. Do you notice how Joseph has some bad news to share, but he shares it in a faith-filled way? We can save ahead of time. We can take care of this. And because God's showing us, we're blessed with an opportunity to have 20% a year times Seven years, which means you're going to have 140% of what you need during the famine. You have more than what you need in the famine. God wants us to have more than what we need so we can share with others. Well, I just want to get by. I don't need much. I just want God to meet my needs, which is narcissism. Generosity means I want God to give me more than I need so that I can help others. Folks, foreigners showed up in Egypt. Jacob and his kids. And they had plenty of food for them. The whole idea of generosity is to have more than we need so that we can share it with others. I just want to get by. No, I just can't always get what you want. Sometimes you get what you need. That's not in the Bible. That's Mick Jagger. And people quote it like it's in the Bible. Well, you know, God doesn't always give you what you want, but he gives you what you need. You know, it's just, okay, Mick Jagger, just, you know. It just keep going with that. God wants to give us more than what we need so that we can share. And the purpose of Egypt was to share with the whole region. And they had to have more than what Egypt needed so that they could feed all the people. I want all of you to live in abundance. To do that, we have to get rid of debt. We have to start living a generous life so that we can share with others. I love doing funerals of generous people. There's nothing like doing the funeral of someone who gives the shirt off their back. Because people give testimonies. And they come up and talk about it. I'm going to talk out of turn here. But you know how families have family blessings and family curses? Family curses like alcoholism or violence or divorce. And family blessings can come through too. You see family. I've been to some big family stuff. These folks have generosity in their genes. The whole family's like that. And it's an incredible blessing. That's something which is really cool. And I hope that you young guys will carry that on. It's a really kind of neat part of your family. When I've heard people talk about the generosity that you guys have. And that is something we want to have faith, faith interpretations over fear interpretations. If you have a bad dream, and it's from God, Look for a faith interpretation, not a fear interpretation. I'll give you this quote, and this is true. Repeat after me. Fear makes us stupid. It just does. People do not make good decisions when they're afraid. Fear makes us stupid. Fear acronym, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Never act in fear. Never make a big decision out of fear. Always make it out of Next one. The word has power over the dream. 
God's word and God's promises are the best way to interpret a dream and the best way to get rid of fear. God's word is primary over a dream. And if a dream tells you to do something against God's word, you're not interpreting the dream right. Always the final authority is God's word. Next slide. The less you lie in your awake life, the less you're going to lie in your interpretation of your dream. Let me say this again. We've seen so much lying on TV, especially during the election cycle. And I'm not being cynical here because I don't want to be cynical. I think we've got a great government. We should vote. We should you know, get out there and make things happen. But there's a lot of lying going on. And it makes us think it's okay. Because we see these people, you know, leading things, lying. And we think, well, maybe we could do that. We did a sermon a few weeks ago, a couple months ago. It was called this. Tell the truth or at least don't lie. And we talked about how telling the truth is hard because sometimes we don't know the whole truth. We do the best we can with that, but it's easy not to lie. Because every time we're about to lie, the Holy Spirit sends us a check. And you can ride right over that speed bump if you want to. But he always sends a check. And ever since that sermon, I'm surprised by how often the Holy Spirit sends a check. When you're about to embellish something, you're about to you know try to work on stuff, you're, you tell it, make it make you look really favorable when you tell the story. If you start to avoid lying and really work at that, the chances of interpreting your dream correctly are going to go up. Because if you lie on a regular basis, you're not going to be able to trust yourself. Because you know you're a liar. And if you know you're a liar, then you're going to shade the interpretation of the dream too, to your own benefit. So the more truthful we are in real life, the more truthful, the more accurate we're going to be at interpreting the dream. If you haven't been through a 12-step group, I encourage you to... Everybody needs recovery for something. Seriously. Joseph needed recovery for narcissism. I don't know if there's a narcissist 12-step group or not, but... The great thing about 12-step groups is you have to take an inventory and you have to be honest with yourself. Who thinks that would help in the interpretation of dreams? Sure, we're just being honest, being truthful. Next slide. There we go. Some practicalities. Cultivate relationships where you can actually interpret dreams. Who was interpreting Pharaoh's dream? Was it Pharaoh? Somebody with no dog in the hunt, somebody whose objective is going to be better at interpreting your dream than you are. You have relationships where you can share dreams. And you can ask people for an interpretation. And anybody who asks for the Holy Spirit to guide them can interpret your dream. You don't have to go to some wizard. Anybody can do that. Somebody who loves you and somebody who knows the Holy Spirit can interpret your dream. Just by asking. Because the Bible says we ask the Holy Spirit. He'll tell us what we need to know. But another person will be more objective and will see things you don't. And Joseph saw things that the Pharaoh didn't. So cultivate the kind of friendships that are so intimate that you can actually share 
the most private thing in your life, which is your dreams. It's the most private thing you will ever have. Number two, practice and all is coming. Tamara preached on this with prophecy. Just practice. Keep asking yourself. Asking, seeking, knocking. Practice interpreting dreams for other people. With really good friends, ask them, have you had any dreams lately? Tell me and let me, let me see what the Holy Spirit tells me. Practice, 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 and all is coming. Number three. This is what I'm working on this year in my own prayer life. 85% of your brain is wired for relational connections with other people. If you just meditate generally to some great spirit, it probably won't hurt you any. But if you see God more personally, you're going to be engaging the big gears in your mind. The more personally you see God, the more engaged your prayers will be. The more general and vague your meditation is, the more bored you're going to get and the more you're going to bail out. The more personal we can make our prayers, the more engaged they will be. And to have a spiritual worldview, not just a scientific worldview. And your scientific worldview won't do you any good during your dreams. There will never be a scientific theory of dreams. Because you can't, nobody else can observe them. So if we want to do this, we have to look at God personally, and we have to see the spiritual realm, and we have to see dreams as an opportunity to dip into the spiritual realm of our life and assume that God is speaking to us. Number four, be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. If you want prayer to get filled with the Spirit or refilled with the Holy Spirit, we would be glad to do that today. Who here, raise your hands if you'd be willing to pray with someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand if you want to pray with someone to do that. Raise them higher so people can see you. Okay. Talk to one of us. The more spirit-filled we are, the more engaged we are with the spiritual realm, the more in touch we're going to be with dreams. And Joseph was commended by Pharaoh for being filled with the Spirit of God. And that's why he was able to interpret the dream. Number five. Search dream and vision in the Bible, and you'll be surprised. Go to your computer, go to Google or whatever, and say, dreams, vision. The Bible is full of this stuff. Get used to what the Bible says about it. I am shocked at how important dreams and visions are in the Bible. I've been studying the Bible my whole life, and I did not realize what a big part of the Bible this is. And it never gets taught on. I mean, how many sermon series do you see on, on dreams and visions in the Bible? None. You'll never see it. Last one. Watch for Gabriel. If you read the Bible, you'll notice Gabriel is the angel, the archangel that shows up most in dreams. According to Jewish spirituality, Gabriel is the master of ceremonies of dreams. And he shows up with the other Joseph in the New Testament and says, you know, Mary's going to have a baby, all that kind of stuff. And so if Gabriel shows up, pay attention to the dream. And you'll know Gabriel will show up if you get scared because Gabriel is gnarly. People have these pretty pictures of angels, wispy angels. You know, they look like precious moments people, you know, and, and all that. And Gabriel, Gabor, which is Hebrew for intimidator, Baal, which is God, Gaboriel is what? God's intimidator. When he shows up, people hit the ground. 
So you'll know it's Gabriel if he scares you. And you'll know it's a, a dream from God because he's, according to the Jewish people, he's the master of ceremonies of the whole dream world. So if he shows up, pay attention. Last thing here, invite the worship team up. Last uh, Bible passage. <laughs> Let's read this out loud together. One, two, three. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure. And Joseph is doing what? Standing before kings. Standing before kings, not because he has a lot of money, not because he's achieved a lot. He's in jail, by the way. But because he's filled with the Spirit of God and he's transforming from a narcissist into someone who sees the, the bigger picture. Who here wants to see the bigger picture where your life fits in? Absolutely. We want to be like Joseph, and we have to transform. And California culture tells us to be narcissists, which means we never get to that point of transformation and becoming the kind of person God wants us to be. Put the last slide up here. Sweet dreams, everybody. Let's stand. My mom used to say that to me all the time. Sweet dreams. Then she'd say, sleep tight. And I'm thinking, why would I want to sleep tight? Uh, doesn't make any sense. We should say sleep loose or sleep relaxed. <coughs> Let's pray. Lord, most or even all of us are going to have dreams tonight. And these are the most personal, private things we'll ever have. Lord, a lot of us celebrated Valentine's Day this weekend, and we have that person that we share everything with maybe in. And Lord, uh, we can't. Share the fullness of a dream. That's so personal. And you love us personally, Lord. You want to get through to each one of us. There's 7 billion, 8 billion people on this planet, and you care about each one of us more than any of us cares about anybody else. And this is your direct line to us that nobody else can see. So we pray, Lord, that you would guard our dreams, that you would give us faith-filled interpretations, that you would help us transform that narcissistic side into a a side that sees you at work in the great sweep of history and where we fit in. A lot of us would love more meaning in our lives, Lord, and we get meaning by connecting with your big plan. And we connect with your big plan often in dreams. And, Lord, uh, we give you thanks for your son Jesus, Lord, who came out of dreams and visions with Gabriel and Joseph and Mary. And, Lord, uh, if you can bring Jesus out of dreams. You can bring anything out of our lives. So we pray for more of your spirit, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Touch our hearts. And show us as we ask, seek, and knock this year where we fit in. And put us to work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.